everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pattern Recognition, a show that connects the dots that lead to good business decision making. I'm your host, John Hu, growth equity investor at Norwest Venture Partners and former investment maker at Goldman Sachs. So we've spent quite a bit of time on marketplaces and the benefits that they can accrue to both the demand and supply side via network effects. But what we haven't spoken so much about is what happens when a marketplace ends up owning the end consumer relationship while aggregating and commoditizing suppliers that serve those customers. Now, this effect, which Ben Thompson of Stratechery coined as aggregation theory, leads to a disruptive competitive advantage for said aggregator at increasingly profitable rates. So for example, take Uber or Facebook, where neither owns its supply, which in Uber's case are the drivers themselves, and in Facebook's case are the publishers of content that we consume as users. Yet both Uber and Facebook own the direct consumer relationship and also benefit from zero marginal costs in serving additional customers, which those customers, they're also acquiring at decreasing costs due to the network effects inherent in their model. So ultimately, as these aggregators strengthen their direct relationship with their consumer base, they begin to monetize and modularize suppliers. So all of that was a long-winded way of saying that I'm very excited to have Ian Siegel, the founder and CEO of ZipRecruiter, as today's podcast guest. Ian and his team have built the number one job search platform by aggregating job postings across over 1,000 job sites. And as a result, ZipRecruiter has placed over 500 million job applications since 2010 and has raised over $200 million in funding from investors like IVP. So in today's podcast, Ian and I discuss how he's scaled ZipRecruiter's marketplace on both the demand and supply side, as well as spend some time talking through how crucial machine learning has been for ZipRecruiter's success. Now, Ian also walks us through the KPIs he and his team track and the specific initiatives that they've rolled out to increase those KPIs. And lastly, Ian shares the one critical pattern he sees across successful marketplace businesses. So why don't we get started? Hey, Ian, how's it going? It's great. Good to be here. Great. Glad to have you on and would love to start out with a little bit about your background and how you came to start ZipRecruiter. So I have spent the majority of my career working at internet startups. And in the roles that I had, I was not just recruiting for a team, but for many teams. And what was true about all those startups is they were too small to have an HR department that could do the recruiting process for me. So I was the one who was personally posting jobs to Monster and Hot Jobs and Dice and LinkedIn and Craigslist. And it was the same job going through a different posting process on all these different sites. And for years, I had this wish for a magic button that I could push that would just send my job to all these different sites at once and then bring all the candidates back to me in one easy to review list. That was the idea for ZipRecruiter. It's exactly what we built. And apparently a lot of other people agreed that that was a good idea. That's great. And I think what you're hinting at there is this idea of an aggregator, right? So you have this talent marketplace and you're aggregating the supply of the thousands of job boards out there. So I'm curious, beyond that aggregation though, how do you think about ZipRecruiter's differentiation? 
fundamentally, ZipRecruiter is an efficiency tool first and foremost. So there's over 40,000 different discrete job sites on the internet. You never are going to post your job to all of them, and you're never even going to be aware of most of them. And that is effectively our job. So at ZipRecruiter, we market that we let you post to 100 job sites with one submission. That's not really true. We actually let you post to thousands of job sites with one submission. And the way we look at it is we're trying to turn the entire internet into a job board. So we don't just post to job boards or aggregators. We also post to social networks or talent communities or resume sites or educational sites, anywhere a job seeker might be. Because the real challenge, if you're looking for quality candidates, is not just fishing out of the active candidate market, people who are actively looking for a job. The real challenge is going after the 80% of the job-seeking population that is only somewhat looking for a job, and we would call these passive job-seekers. And those tend to be the most desired by employers. Yeah, and I'm glad you hit on the other side of the marketplace there, which are the job candidates as opposed to the employer. So could you talk more about some of the initiatives your team has rolled out to target those passive job-seekers? Yeah, I mean, there is a truth in our industry that is not that well understood by the mass market, which is somewhere between 80 and 90% of the people who are currently on a job site or looking at jobs are only casually looking for a job. They're not filled with intent. They're not saying, I need to get a job right away to get out of my current job. And so you wanna put solutions in place for those people that give them a reason to visit beyond just find a job now. And so solutions that we've come up with are things like really, really rich information about salary, helping you know what you're worth, understanding whether you're being fairly paid at your current job or not. There's also a lot of information on our site, literally tens of thousands of pages now around career opportunities and what training is required, what skills translate from one industry to another. So we're really trying to help job seekers both understand their value and career path. And that can be a great lead in to them actively doing a job search and finding a new, better, more satisfying job through ZipRecruiter. And I think one of the functionalities that job seekers love about ZipRecruiter is this ability to keep your profile and resume in a database that ZipRecruiter's algorithms can then use to match your profile with a future opportunity. So are there any other functionalities you guys offer that have helped you stay in front of job seekers? Yeah, and I think there is another fundamental truth of the job seeking population, which is everybody who is looking for work hates applying to jobs. Every country that we go into, all the job seeker populations describe the experience the same way. They apply to jobs, they hear nothing back, and they all call it in every language, the black hole. So nobody likes applying but everybody loves to get recruited. Getting recruited is a heady experience. I've described it as intoxicating. Yeah, it's, it's flattering. Like, it's like getting picked up. Like I always, whenever I speak on stages, I always ask the audience, like, how many of you have been called by a recruiter? And you know, most people raise their hand. And then I say, how many of you took the call even though you weren't looking for a job and all the hands stay up? And there's a good reason. It's a story you tell. You're like, ah, you know who called me today? Google. They want me. That's the truth, <laughs> right? Like it's delightful. And so people love to get recruited. And for us, what we're trying to do 
And we just launched this and it's sort of an augmentation of what we were already doing. But on ZipRecruiter, we're really moving to a model where as a job seeker, you no longer have to apply to jobs. You come in, you put your resume in, and then we help you enrich it into a profile. And then from there, you're confidentially able to be recruited. So you get recruited on ZipRecruiter as opposed to like searching through all the 9 million opportunities we have on our site to try and find just the right jobs for yourself. You no longer have to rely on chance or serendipity to bring you to the right employers. We're very, very sophisticated at this point at putting the right candidates in front of employers, candidates that they have a high probability of wanting to bring in for an interview. And we'll do that for you. And those employers will reach out to you directly. So you've taken out the pain of the vast majority of the job application process, whether that's aggregating job postings across thousands of sites or minimizing the amount of work that a job seeker actually has to do. So why else do you think both sides of the job marketplace keep coming back to ZipRecruiter? Well, you know, we are the number one rated job seeker job search app on both iOS and Android. We've held that title for more than three years, and we obviously face stiff competition from the likes of, you know, LinkedIn, Indeed, Glassdoor, Monster. Everybody's trying to take that crown. And I think there's two reasons why we have stayed number one for as long as we have. The first is, as I mentioned before, job seekers hate the black hole problem. They apply to a job and then they never get any feedback. They never hear anything back. And on ZipRecruiter, we have more than 100,000 employers who are using our service to directly recruit for candidates every month. And when you apply to one of their jobs and they look at your resume, we tell you. So you apply to a job, and historically, you'd hear nothing. But now just the act of them opening your resume sends you a notification and it says, hey, they're reading your resume right now. That simple feature has caused more delight and five-star ratings on our app than I think anything else we've ever done. And it's just feedback. It's literally just sharing with them what we know, which is there's someone on the other end of the line. You have momentum. You should be encouraged. Keep working at it. So that's one thing. And then the other is ZipRecruiter made a pretty large investment about four years ago into machine learning and deep learning matching algorithms. And the nature of these algorithms is such that they're able to consider a wide range of data signals and factors that heuristic algorithms or Boolean algorithms are just too simple to leverage. And as a result, as you use our service as a job seeker, our service gets smarter really, really quickly it gets smarter and it will start to guide you to the jobs for which you have a high probability of getting a thumbs up when you apply and also ultimately brought in for an interview. You know, I always say to our sales team, every month we make your job easier because every month the quality of our service gets better. We are laser focused on getting people hired and helping employers find great talent. I really love the virtuous cycle that AI and machine learning can enable, where as the dominant job platform, ZipRecruiter is amassing all of this data on what kinds of candidates work with what kinds of jobs. And as more and more placements happen, your platform becomes even better at fitting the right job with the right candidate. So would love to shift towards how exactly ZipRecruiter monetizes, as it's a bit different from how legacy job sites generate revenue. Could you talk a little bit more about ZipRecruiter's business model? Well, for most customers, they will see a monthly subscription fee as their base pricing. And the reason we do a subscription as opposed to a pay-per-post model, which has been the traditional model used in our category, is 
Unlike a job board, ZipRecruiter is a distribution engine. We'll send your job to all these different sites. And then as candidates apply, we collect them all into one list inside of what we call an applicant tracking system. And inside that tool, you can easily vet the candidates, collaborate with your teammates to decide which of them you like the best, and then move them forward in a process. So effectively, we are providing a workflow tool. And so you're paying the subscription for the distribution and the workflow piece, which makes hiring a lot simpler than it used to be. Whenever I talk about, oh, we've got great software, people are always like, yeah, yeah, rhetoric. Here's I like to support it with numbers. So four years ago, the average time to hire was 42 days through ZipRecruiter, and now it's down to under 20. Wow. So the pace at which we are improving not just the matching, but also the post-apply experience. So candidates come in and then how we sort them and present them to employers to make sure that the best candidates are like staring them in the face. And then how we encourage them to rapidly engage with those candidates is leading to great outcomes for really both sides of the marketplace. And are you therefore addressing any misaligned incentives by utilizing a recurring revenue model versus a paper application model? I mean, I like to think that we are. I have personally experienced the pay 350 bucks for a posting on X site and then get no candidates. And then you're just out of luck. And you, you wonder if that tree fell in the forest. You know, did anyone hear it? Like, did they actually post my job? Did any candidate actually see it? So, you know, I tell the team here, we're in the business of getting butts in chairs. Like we succeed when our employers make hires. We don't succeed when we collect their money. And as you think about putting butts in seats, it's one thing to put a butt in a seat, and it's another thing to actually retain that butt in that seat. I would imagine that you could make the argument that with ZipRecruiter's refined algorithmic matching, those who are recruited via ZipRecruiter are actually more likely to stay longer in a job and be a better fit than one recruited via conventional channels. So have you guys been able to run any studies that show that? This is a complex subject, and so I'm going to try to make it simple, and I'm just going to talk about it like this. These algorithms are sufficiently advanced that the stuff they're capable of accomplishing almost feels like magic. And it's almost unbelievable when you see the results come in in terms of the satisfaction employers have with the candidates provided by algorithms versus when candidates are just allowed to just through chance find their way to jobs. And I'll put it in real numbers for you. If we just distribute jobs to job boards around the web and let any random candidate apply, consistently one in six candidates who apply will get a thumbs up from an employer. With the most recent version of our algorithms, the ones where the algorithms pick the candidates that apply, one in two of those candidates gets a thumbs up. Wow. So it's so transformational that people haven't even wrapped their heads around it yet because it really speaks to a new era in recruiting. When we talk about predicting long-term culture fit and retention, we perfectly understand how to build that tool. That tool is the holy grail of our category because in particular, when you look at large enterprises, about a third of the people they hire every year don't last 12 months. And the cost of that turnover is so extraordinary. So everybody wants this tool to exist. However, we all have to decide how comfortable we are with giving sites like ZipRecruiter not just your resume, but your entire salary history, all your vacation data, 
all your performance review data and letting that be ingested by a third party like ZipRecruiter because it's only when we get all of that insight and signal data that we're going to be able to do the amazing culture fit product, the eHarmony for jobs that everybody wishes existed. So I'll start to expect candidates to send in their Myers-Briggs results soon enough. <laughs> I mean, you, you think you're kidding, but that would help a lot. <laughs> I think at this point, we've established that ZipRecruiter is the leader in the market. And it's worth mentioning that you work with the vast majority of the Fortune 500 as well. So could you give the audience a sense of scale for just how large ZipRecruiter is? Yeah. Every month, ZipRecruiter has north of 100,000 employers directly recruiting and paying for the service through our platform. And there's more than 25 million job seekers active using the platform to try to find a new, better job. So we are a marketplace business, and we are at scale on both sides of our marketplace. That's wonderful. And what are the key KPIs and metrics that you track to gauge the health of the business? I mean, obviously, we look at revenue, but what we really focus on here is the size of the user base on both sides of the marketplace. So how many employers and how many job seekers, the trajectory of those user bases. So are they going up, staying flat or going down? And then we obviously have a second tier of metrics that are really, really quality oriented versus revenue oriented. Because as I said, our mission here is to put butts in seats. And so we have all kinds of internal metrics we can use to assess the quality of the candidates we're delivering. But I say to the team that owns those metrics, I don't really pay attention to those metrics because that's us talking to ourselves. The number one metric I look at for employer satisfaction is what's the thumbs up rate that they are giving to the candidates we deliver? because it's them voting that matters more than what we tell ourselves. And for job seekers, similarly, we're trying to guide them to the jobs they have the highest probability of getting. And so we look at things like how many of the job seekers who are using our service to search for work are getting a thumbs up after they apply to a job. If we've done our job right, ideally both sides are delighted. So then on the job seeker side, what are the channels you're using to acquire job seekers? Well, it turns out that even though ZipRecruiter does all of our marketing to employers, we market quite a bit at a significant scale across every channel, TV, radio, direct mail, digital, podcast, podcast <laughs> right. It turns out that through all that investment we've made in marketing to employers, we've built a really, really substantial brand with job seekers. So the biggest and fastest growing source of candidates for ZipRecruiter is just job seekers directly coming to ZipRecruiter to look for work. And then the other thing we did that was prescient was about four years ago, we made a meaningful investment in mobile, just as mobile was emerging as the dominant platform for job seekers. At this point, 75% of job seekers who are looking for work are using either a cell phone or a tablet. And we built both an Android and an iOS team early on and really invested heavily in those products. And that turned out to be a whale channel for us and has continued to pay dividends over the long term. That's really interesting, as I feel like even just 10 years ago, looking for a job was considered to be too serious to be done on mobile. 
Well, I can tell you because I started the business almost 10 years ago. And when we started the business, 25% of job seekers were on mobile or tablet and 75% were on desktop. That has completely flipped. The future is a mobile world and the form factor of mobile for job seekers is obviously very different than when you're on your desktop. And so it really changes the expectations of the user. Uh, that makes sense. And then on the employer side, as I think about the categories or segments of employers out there, there could be a small business, let's say, for example, me and this podcast, where I'm looking to hire a producer, which I very much so need to do. But that's a self-service kind of sale, right? So that is me being acquired by, let's say, TV marketing. And on the farther side of that market spectrum, you're also working with some of the largest companies in America. So could you talk more about that sales cycle? Yeah, when we started the business, we were definitively focused on small and medium-sized businesses because that was the pain point that I felt when I worked for small and medium-sized businesses. So I thought I'll give them a solution. And then it's funny, you know, almost unintentionally, we started to penetrate the Fortune 5000 predominantly through many sort of rogue departments inside those larger companies being frustrated with their recruiting. And so we'd look in our database and you'd see a blue chip Fortune 5000 company that had 40 ZipRecruiter accounts, but no deal with corporate. <laughs> and so we'd say like, that's, that's an interesting fact pattern. A couple of years ago, we decided we would start actually investing in bringing our product to the enterprise. And there, you know, the sales very different. They have different expectations about how you approach and pitch them and also how they want to pay. So for them, we offer a pay per click solution. And it has turned out to already be a business that like from a standing start is already several tens of millions. And it's the fastest growing part of our business. And what really it speaks to is the all the work we did building really cutting edge algorithms for matching candidates to employers open positions. That works regardless of what size business you are. These customers are delighted with the quality and the speed with which we're able to deliver awesome candidates to their jobs. And I think that just is the nitrous in the engine of the Zip business right now, which is we're just adding those customers at a phenomenal rate. Yeah. I mean, I love the sale where you can go to the chief people officer and say, hey, look, you know, five of your teams are already using our service one off. Why not just buy an enterprise wide license? where that sale is just so much easier than going in cold. So I'm also curious, though, about how you think about white glove recruiting. So what I would think of as recruiting for a more senior C-suite manager, as well as for some industries like finance, I think if I were to go to my bosses and say that we should recruit our next associate off of ZipRecruiter, they'd look at me a little crazy as this industry expects something a little bit more high touch. So how do you think about that segment of the market, especially given how much more lucrative the fees can be on a per contract basis? Well, there is a fundamental misunderstanding about what recruiters do in most of the population. So a lot of people think that the job of recruiters is to find candidates. And it turns out that many recruiters thousands of them, maybe even tens of thousands, I haven't looked recently, are using ZipRecruiter to source candidates. So whether you use it or your recruiter is using it, they're using us to source the candidate, but that is not what the recruiter is actually getting paid for. What the recruiter is getting paid for is once a candidate is sourced, 
they are stoking the employer to consider and reach out to that candidate quickly. And then once the employer has reached out to that candidate quickly, they are stoking and encouraging that candidate to respond quickly. Because it turns out, if you wait 48 hours after a candidate applies to reach out to them, 75% of them will ghost you. And similarly, if an employer reaches out to a candidate and they hear nothing back for 48 hours, the employer will simply move to the next candidate on the list. So a lot of what recruiters are doing and getting paid for is social engineering the process of getting the two sides to reach an agreement as quickly as possible. And for that reason, I don't believe tech is ever going to fully replace humans in the recruiting world, but it will make them much better at their job than they have been historically. Yeah. And that makes it all sound even more like dating, which I guess it really is. So you're now at a scale where you're enabling thousands of small businesses and Fortune 500 employers. What is your ultimate vision for the company? You know, I think none of us looks forward to hiring someone. We're all a little bit unsure about what site should I post to, what's the right process I should go through. And then on the flip side, as a job seeker, you're like, okay, I don't like my current job and I want to find a new job. Where should I start? And there's just so many options for you right now, regardless of whether you're the employer or the job seeker, that it can feel overwhelming. And the number one goal I've always had for ZipRecruiter was to make things simple, where you could go to a site and with confidence know you're going to either find great candidates or if you're a job seeker, you're going to find great jobs. So for me, real success over the long term is people viewing both recruiting and finding a job as easy. And thinking about the early days of the ZipRecruiter marketplace, how did you go about solving the chicken and egg problem of not having jobs or job candidates? And how did you go about creating that liquidity? Well, when we started, I looked at the job category world and effectively everyone had adopted the same tactic to grow their business, which was step one, collect a lot of job seekers and step two, sell them to employers. And that was literally every business that preceded us. And I said, okay, I wonder if we can do it in reverse. Let's just collect all the employers who want candidates. And because so many other companies have conveniently aggregated those job seekers for us, we'll just treat them like a commodity and we'll buy all the job seekers we can to fulfill what these employers need. And that turned out to be an exceptionally good insight because it allowed us to go aggregate the paying side of the market, which gave us a lot of leverage with all the sites that had preceded us. Even though we effectively compete in some ways with a lot of these sites, we are also, for many of them, their largest client because we have aggregated so many employers. Now, that was the early days. Very rapidly, as a result of the marketing we were doing and as a result of the investment in the product we were building for job seekers, you know, the majority of our traffic started to come to us directly. And we, in effect, became a brand with job seekers. And that has honestly been the key to our success. That is such a great example of aggregation theory, where you're modularizing and commoditizing the original suppliers who had so much of the power, right? 
where at first it's akin to how Netflix worked with the studios or how Facebook worked with the publishers to say, hey, you know, we're just another revenue stream. You don't have to worry about us. And then one day the suppliers wake up and realize that you are now the platform that has aggregated all of them and serve as their gateway to their original end consumer. And that makes me curious, how have you dealt with that relationship over time? So it's important to note that ZipRecruiter was bootstrapped for our first four and a half years. And we got to tens and millions of revenue and we were profitable before we raised our Series A. And for the first four and a half years, I was doing all of the BD and dealing with the job sites. And I would call them up and I would say, hey, we're just four guys in a garage. Can't you give me a discount? You know, like nobody really had a sense of how big we were. And then we did the largest Series A in LA history, which was a $63 million Series A in August of 2014. And in, I think over a one-week period, I probably had more than 30 calls from pissed-off job sites that had just had this <laughs> rude awakening. They were like, hey, you're bigger than we are. What are you asking me for a discount for? And so... That was sort of the, there was like a single moment inflection point where suddenly we went from being everyone's large favorite customer to becoming everyone's circled number one competitor. And that was a difficult period for us to navigate ever having just taken the funding. There were a lot of negative consequences of announcing our fundraising round. So with that ultimate vision in mind, what was your rationale behind taking a profitable and bootstrap business and then raising capital and suffering the dilution associated with raising that capital? Well, I've done this now for more than 20 years, built internet startups. And at every previous company, I was an employee. And at ZipRecruiter, it was the first time I was the owner. And I had a lot of perspective. And what I had come to appreciate after the first four years at ZipRecruiter is that what we were doing was exceedingly rare. Like It is so rare you're in a big category that has a big problem to solve, and you think you found a new, better, disruptive way to do it, and you're continuing to innovate on your first insight. And so at a certain point, it was about realizing the full potential of the business. It wasn't just about making more money. It was about literally building something that could change the way a category worked. And so I went to my partners and we talked it through and we agreed like this was the business that effectively deserved to be backed with funding because even in those early days, we realized there was this problem we had, which is as we grew bigger, we kept driving more and more candidates to jobs. And after a certain point, more candidates is not the right way to delight your customers quality candidates is what really matters. And to solve the quality problem was an order of magnitude more difficult than solving the more candidates problem. And we have made tens of millions of dollars of investment now in search technology that we have custom built. We have over 55 engineers in an Israeli R&D center doing some of the most advanced algorithmic work in the world. Uh, we have more than 250 engineers at the company, the majority of which are engaged in some form or fashion dealing with search technology. And in our category, there's a variety of problems to solve. It's not like you just build a search engine and then you dump everyone in it. There's also like, what are the right jobs to put in a job alert program? What are the right jobs to put in a suggested jobs algorithm? How do you do a more candidates like this study? So it's not an algorithm, it's algorithms. 
And we knew it was going to take significant investment to do that order of magnitude, more difficult problem of delivering quality candidates. And that builds long-term, sustainable, competitive advantage over time, right? So definitely agree with your rationale there. Now, would love to shift to the last part of the podcast here, which centers around the title, Pattern Recognition. What are some consistent themes or patterns you see across successful B2B2C marketplaces? I mean, the most important thing, whether you're a marketplace business or, you know, any random startup is I fundamentally believe that every business only sells one thing. And if you don't know what your one thing is, the way to figure it out is you should get a current happy customer in a room with you sitting next to a prospect you would like to get to use your product and only allow them to speak one sentence and have them describe why they like your product to that prospect. Whatever that one sentence is, that's all you're selling. And so everything else you do adjacent to that one thing is potentially not really growing your business, it's just work. And it's potentially also creating work for your customers. I mean, this was one of the mistakes that we made early on. You know, I have a product background, it's my area of, I'd say, elite expertise. And I was so proud of myself when we built this distribution engine, which was ZipRecruiter that would let you post to 100 job sites with one submission, that I wanted to build more and more product. And it quickly became apparent that more features or more capabilities was not what our customers wanted. What they wanted was more candidates and better candidates. And anything I was doing that wasn't directly driving more better candidates wasn't actually helping the business that much. We have this habit of turning features off at ZipRecruiter that have low utilization. Almost every year we turn off one or more features. And every year I joke to the PR team that what I would really like to do is a press release every year announcing that ZipRecruiter gets even simpler. <laughs> and then we would announce not the new feature we have launched, but the feature we have turned off this year. So it sounds like a maniacal and hyper-focused perspective on building the core product and making sure that customer happiness is as high as possible in that one core feature. Yeah, I, was like, I, I just want to be really clear because everybody talks about delighting customers. You just have to know the one thing you're considered to be famous for or the best at, and then you have to keep investing in that thing to push it even further. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm a restaurant, I'm famous for my hamburger, so I'm gonna try to bring out another sandwich. And in reality, no, all you wanna do is market that hamburger. I mean, In-N-Out is a great example. I use it as a sample case all the time when I talk about this phenomenon of you only sell one thing. Like they're famous for their hamburger, nobody cares about their French fries. Yeah, I mean, people forgive them for their French fries, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is a bit blasphemous to say here in California, but the burgers are so good at In-N-Out that no one gives them crap for some really mediocre fries. That's exactly <laughs> right, that is exactly right. The Craigslist, does anyone love the Craigslist interface? No. But it's a great service, you know why? Because when you post something, you get response. I mean, it works every time. It's an amazing service from that respect. So I think knowing your truth is the key to long-term success. And once you know it, you want to, you know, the real challenge is not building more stuff you can have truth on. The real challenge is telling as many people about your truth as you possibly can. You know, what makes businesses successful more often than not is not continuing to develop their product. It's the number of people they can even make aware that their business exists. 
That's a really wonderful perspective because I think oftentimes founders struggle with balancing all of the opportunity around them, not just in their core market, but also in tangential markets, just given the growth that they're seeing. And this is such a healthy reminder for them to take a step back and for us to ask ourselves, wait a minute, what are we actually doing here? And not be distracted by the lesser ROI opportunities out there. So keeping with the theme of pattern recognition here, what are some mental models that you apply in your own decision-making? Yeah, I think that the thing that impresses me the most, and this is true for really every aspect of life, is momentum. I always talk to people about momentum, and there's a lot of questions about when do you have momentum or when is it sufficient momentum? And really, momentum can be measured in two ways for me. And this is the simplest I can make it. One is things that work right away. So if you launch something and you look at a chart and you can tell the day you launched it, it's working, period. We make so many rationalizations for why something's a good idea. But if you can't look at a chart and see it, then it's probably not working as well as you think. And you probably shouldn't keep investing in it. That's why smoke testing is so valuable. And then the second measure I use for momentum, and this is something that 1,200 plus people at ZipRecruiter can all quote to you because I use it so often, a million anything, a million visitors, a million registrations, a million downloads. If you really want like true evidence of momentum, get to a million something. There is no disputing a million. A million is an impressive number no matter what the million is. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yep. Scale. <laughs> yep. So then last question for you here, Ian, is what is a book you've read recently and how has it changed your perspective? The book is called The Story Factor. And it basically talks about the power of telling stories as both a teaching device and as a way of driving mission. Rather than sort of rhetorically stating your point, you show your point through story. And I have never been a mission, vision, and values guy. I am possibly practical to the detriment of being inspirational. But there is a story in this book that really brought it home to me. And it's really simple. It's a guy walks up to a construction site and sees three people working. And he says to the first one, what are you doing? And the first one says, I'm laying bricks. And then he says to the second one, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a wall. And then he says to the third one, what are you doing? And that one says, I'm building a cathedral. And that simple story where they're all telling something that is true, but the third person's answer is so much more inspirational. Like, I don't want to lay bricks or build walls. I want to build a cathedral. That's how I feel about my business. And I realized I was underselling my long-term aspiration to my employees by not sharing enough of my perspective about what the cathedral was that we are building. And so that really, really hit me hard. And it has definitely changed the way I talk to people. I'm willing to be a little bit more vulnerable and talk a little more ambitiously about what I aspire to for this business. Yeah, that totally makes sense where oftentimes you just make the assumption that everyone is tied into the same exact vision that's in your head. But in reality, you need to lay out and enunciate what that vision is so that everyone is truly aligned. 100%. Well, Ian, that was fantastic and about wraps up all the time we have for today. But I appreciate you hopping on the pod. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Once again, a big thank you to Ian for joining us today. Whether you're an entrepreneur operating at full capacity or a Fortune 500 recruiter scaling a 500-person team, 
I would strongly encourage you leverage ZipRecruiter's seamless and intuitive platform. And if you enjoy the show, I'd love if you gave a quick rating and review as well as send any feedback or guest recommendations my way. You can also learn more about Ian and ZipRecruiter on the podcast website at patternrecognitionpod.com and reach me on Twitter at John Heasy or on Instagram at John G. Hu. So thank you all for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week.